0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: <clears throat> I do, when I come here, I, in the meditation, I think about what I, these different things come up into my mind, what I should talk about. And then I let them go. I try not to grab onto any of them. But one thing that strikes me is that um, we're all sitting together here And it just feels to me like uh that we're that it's a stream of awareness that we're sharing. That maybe this sounds far fetched to you, but this is how I experience it, that, that there's a stream of awareness in here that we're that we're sharing. Or maybe it's just my stream of awareness. Or not just my stream of awareness, it is my stream of awareness. What could be greater, what could be more vast, more imminent, more pervasive? If I want to think of something to talk about that's true, what could be more true? than this, I don't know if I should say my stream of awareness, this stream of awareness. And I say it's in the room, but it is in the room. It's bigger. It's, well, I can see the room. I can feel the space of the room. I can see all of you. Looking at different senses, I can taste a little bit of something in my mouth. So awareness has all of these qualities of the five senses, your five senses, your hearing. You can hear, right? You can hear something. Maybe I hear something. I don't think I have tinnitus, but I always hear a something in my inner ear that's... There's a great teacher who calls it the sound of silence. I can definitely see. You can see, right? You can hear. If you kind of examine your tongue, you can probably taste a little something there. And certainly we feel. We feel our bodies. We feel hot or cold. And we or f- there's some feeling in our body, some feeling. Like you could say it's an emotion, perhaps, but some feeling that we have. We have a feeling. We always have a feeling if we look, look at it. And we have thoughts, And that's it. That's all we got. We have the five sense perceptions, thoughts, and feelings. Is there, any, is there anything more that you have than that? It's kind of amazing, isn't it? That's all we got. And it keeps going in this stream of feelings, thoughts, sensations, tastes, seeing, hearing, and it goes on and on and on. It's this stream. Sometimes we get really busy trying to create a better stream. Well we want we want the best stream. We want a good stream. That's, I think I res- That should be respected. We want a good stream. We want to be happy. We want to have well-being. So that's something else that I think is in us there's this stream of awareness and i talked about a feeling before well there's something in us that wants to be happy that wants well-being that's probably why we're why you're here it's probably why you meditate you want to have well-being Trouble is, we want more well being than is what is so amply provided, so amply abundantly provided by this stream. We want more. But I really respect that we want well-being, that we want to be happy, that we want ease. We want all kinds of things that we should have. It's, it's kind of our birthright. And that's love, that wanting that. I want you to have (laughs) well-being. Nice to see you. (laughs) And I want you to have well-being. I want all of you to have well-being. It's just natural. If we aren't obscured by... by the... uh, odious quality of comparative thinking competitive thinking where i was originally trained there was a saying that stuck in me all it's just all these years Comparisons are odious. Comparisons destroy our well-being. Measuring ourselves against others. Making a thing out of me, a me, making a me and a you and comparing measuring everything's going so well, the stream of awareness is going so well, and I want to be you know happy, and I want you to be happy and i want well I want there to be well being and ease and and then, oh, then all of a sudden, <laughs> I compare myself to someone else. Ugh, what a buzzkill. The Buddha said a couple of things about this, but one that I remember word for word is he who sees through the deception of more than, less than, or equal to will not suffer. So the Buddha is saying this is the secret to life. If you can give up or not indulge in comparative thinking, you won't suffer. And we all know that's what Buddhism is all about, right? How not to suffer. But we do it anyhow, and I'm not saying I'm not going to do it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't suffer, or that I shouldn't suffer. but maybe we can be at ease with our suffering. We can allow the suffering to be there in the stream of awareness. Just relaxing and let the suffering be. You know, if we want to get rid of suffering, I don't want this suffering, I want to, yeah. That's a lot of me. That's a lot of control. And it brings more suffering. So, there's comparative thinking, maybe, or something else comes along that makes you suffer, makes me suffer, like a a habitual pattern arises, an affliction. There's one school of thought, it's called the Yogacara school, that says there aren't just those seven things, the five sense perceptions, and, and um, thinking and feeling, but there's an eighth one afflictions, afflictive, an afflictive mind, that we have an afflictive mind, that we turn our thoughts and our feelings and our sensations into a me, a self. And I don't know if this is interesting to you. Maybe it's kind of academic, I don't know. It is, to me it's interesting. There's an afflictive consciousness, a me consciousness that suffers. So to bring it back to earth, we, probably mostly from comparative thinking, we have anger, hatred, jealousy, It all has to do with other people. Self-doubt. I'm not as good as. Fear. Anxiety. So you have your own afflictive thoughts, and feelings. I hope you know them. I heard a fellow, uh, great teacher today, saying... So it takes... The, the, these afflictions, they come in many shapes and forms in, in different circumstances... But he says they're really just, they're just in each of us, just one or two, maybe one. So when you think about your suffering over the years, years and years and years and years, and it's kind of the same suffering. I was talking to a friend of mine today about that. I, I, I think that's a, a very interesting thought. There's only one or two. It seems like there's such a variety. Come up in this situation, and we think about our our life of suffering, and you know how it was suffering in high school, and suffering when, you know, we were you know. College suffering and. midlife suffering, suffering these days, and it kind of has the same flavor. Might, you know, your flavor is going to be different from your flavor, but, but it's based on maybe some, something that happened in the family, some habitual pattern that originated in your family. So just let it be. Let let that consciousness be. Just let it be. And letting it be is like this love that wants us This essential love that we have that wants well-being, that wants us to be happy, that wants us to be at ease. So be at ease with the suffering. Just let it be. Don't have to fight with our suffering. Don't have to get entangled with our suffering. Letting it be. My darling, suffer all you want. Go ahead. Treating your suffering, holding it with warmth. It's not your fault. We all have this Eighth consciousness. Actually, the Yogacara school, I'm getting my numbers confused. Five sense objects, thinking is six, and then the afflictive consciousness is seven. And then the, the Yogacara school has another, another consciousness that they describe. And the Buddha also described this in a sutra, all of these things. And it's called the Alaya Vijnana. It's beneath our consciousness. It's a storehouse consciousness. It stores all of our karma It's like it's. Um, I think of it like a some ground, some some vast, vast ground, and it said when we do something, I could do something, "quote unquote" good, it goes into our alaya vijnana, and it becomes a seed. We do something bad, it becomes a seed. So the alaya vijnana. I, I like this. I, I think it's. It makes sense to me. It's a ground that holds all of these seeds of our karma. And then something happens and a seed sprouts. You never know what's going to happen. Look at all the things that happened to you today. You never know what kind of karma is going to arise tomorrow. You might want to love someone, hug someone. You might want to be irrit- You might get irritated, or afraid of someone, or you know, all kinds of things happen. You might start feeling lonely, insecure. Coming from our elaya vijnana, and then the afflictive consciousness makes a me. out of that. I am insecure. I'm full of rage. I want. And all of those suffer. And it's all part of this flow of awareness. It just keeps flowing. And we can embrace it all with, um, with love. By love I mean by allowing it, just allowing it to flow. I'm not going to try to stop you. I don't know what's going to happen next, but it's okay with me. There are thousands of thoughts that keep coming through my mind. Let it be. Who cares, so what? There's a saying, the greatest transformation The greatest transformation is non-transformation. Just letting it be is the greatest transformation. We work so hard sometimes To create a better me or get rid of a worse me, a bad me. We work so hard at so many things that have to do with comparisons with others. It makes me sad to think about it. Making Making, trying to get people to like us and say good things about us and think well of us. And I know a guy, he's a scientist and he he just really, really wants to be... He's a great guy, but he really wants to be successful. And he he wakes up at night thinking about this... This, this stuff, this, these projects that are going through his mind and he's really nervous about it. He wants them to be successful. I hope he accepts that and lets it be because that's the way it is for him. without trying to become anything special. Do anything special. Because really, What could be more special than this? This vast awareness is as big as this room, right? We can sense this whole room. we can sense so many things. I was meditating this morning was going on, Um, it wasn't exactly this, but it was something like, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of this? It wasn't exactly that. It was more of a feeling, looking for something, some kind of something I was looking for. Some discontent was there. What's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of your life? What is the meaning of your life? Is it your work, your relationships, your It's it's really gotta come down to just this. Just this. There's a Buddha right here. Just this, he's sitting right in the middle of it. And he has so much there's so much meaning in that Buddha. Serenely sitting in the middle of just this, just relaxed. Is that enough for you? I have a uh, an ink drawing on my altar made by uh, Suzuki Roshi's son, Hoitzo, Roshi. And it is a um, very simple. It's a carrot, a couple of carrots, in front of a rabbit. The carrots are orange and the rabbit is, it's very simple, just an ink drawing of this carrot with, uh, of this uh, rabbit with just, it's not complex, the eyes are dots, but they're very awake dots. So it's just this simple rabbit with these carrots in front of him. And the calligraphy says, I have enough. I have enough. With whatever is happening right now, the vast space of awareness and the feelings in your body and the thoughts in your mind and your eyesight, your sounds you hear and all these things, and your afflictions. And your welcoming of it all, your love, welcoming it all, allowing it all to take place and to flow, freely flow, whatever is happening, allowing it to happen, is love without getting in the way of it. Can you do any better than that? I had a dream the night before last that I walked into a pet shop and I saw these little puppies, doggies in cages on a shelf looking out. Yorkies, they looked like small dogs, like Yorkies or um, Chihuahuas. And I felt very bad for these doggies, as I always do when I go into pet shops. And then the uh, the sales girl said, the owner, the Roshi, isn't here right now. And when she said the owner, the Roshi, something completely changed in me. And it made this place, this pet shop, seem like a kind place, a realized place, like the the realization, the blessed realization of a great master was perfuming this pet shop. And then I looked at the dogs again, and the dogs were not troubled whatsoever. They were just sitting there, completely at ease. So, wondering if you have any uh, comments or protests or. Questions about anything that I've said? Anything coming up for you that you'd like to talk about? Yeah.
0: David, I like what you said about that reservoir deep inside that holds accumulated past karmas, I think. That's the light of Vinyana. It seems to me to be how things are. Um, At at one level. Can you take off your mask so I can hear you better? Yeah, at one level, you see how your mind works and where your uh, attachments and aversions are, and you work on letting go of them, and in a way, you do. But there's some uh, stuff. Suffering. Deeper down that you haven't really fully worked it out of yourself. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Oh, now, I'm, I, that sounds like suffering. Is that what you're talking about?
0: dis uh, no. no, I mean, they lead to suffering, but what mm-hmm. I'm talking about is patterns. Patterns, yeah. That um, And you you know, I, think it's, I think it's really interesting that it's
1: just one or two things. Does that make sense to you?
0: I hadn't thought of it that way before.
1: Yeah, I think it's amazing. If you think about it, think about that. I didn't recognize you behind your mask, but it's so nice to see you. Yeah. Um, Think about it. It's just one or two things. For instance? Um, I don't know what it is for you. I was talking to a woman today about this, and she said, oh, that's right, that's what happened to me when I was a little girl. And I felt that way since I was a little girl. This same, very similar dis-ease has come up in so many different forms. Hers was like being uh, left out of the popular group in sixth grade. But then she identified, well, it's always feeling a little bit left out of this and that and this and that all through her life. And... uh, that was her thing, but uh, you might recognize it, but it doesn't matter that that's just I just very interesting but um, but if we just don't fight with them and allow them to be as they arise from this uh, structure of the Laya vijnana becoming this and that, if we just allow them to uh, float up, come into fruition, grow into whatever they want to grow into, mature, blossom into a full-fledged affliction, (laughs) they free themselves. They always free themselves. They're gone, right? I don't even know what was bothering me if anything was bothering me an hour or two ago, but I know things always, you know, they're always changing, they're always liberating themselves. Can you think, can you remember a thought you had a minute ago? So everything is always freeing itself. So we don't have to worry so hard, so much about, I gotta free this, I gotta work on this, I gotta, you know. We drive ourselves, just relax and let it be and welcome with love, accepting, allowing. There are other ways to work with afflictions. This is a very gentle way. The way of the path of accepting, the path of equanimity is the path of accepting. There are other ways One way is to get rid of them. If I think a loving thought, if I think a meta-thought, I can't think a hateful thought. Can't, you can't think two thoughts at the same time, for example, is another way. A way of getting rid of. That's a Hinayana way. This is another way of accepting, allowing, which I really like because it's so big and generous and warm and compassionate and calling on what's deeply intrinsic to who we are. We don't have to manufacture anything. Compassion is here in that acceptance. Love is here. We're naturally compassionate. I don't want you to suffer. I just don't. I don't want myself to suffer. Unless there's some comparative thinking (laughs) some odious comparative thinking, I want you all to be happy and I want myself to be happy. And there's this generosity, this openness that was intrinsic. And there's this awareness that's intrinsic. So all we have to do is relax and simply be ourselves be our perfect selves you're perfect all just as you are i'm perfect just as, it's, it's so nice it takes all the pressure off the greatest transformation is non-transformation the buddha tried so hard With ascetic exercises, his stomach was. I said, a, a sunflower seed couldn't fit between his spine and his stomach. He was just, he just almost died by the river. And he did all these yogic exercises, and he did all these concentration exercises, going through all these jhanas. And finally, he just thought of himself as a child, and he's relaxed. And then he said, this is profound. This is peaceful. Just to be. And he said, this is luminous. This is luminous. The light is on. Your light is on. Your light is always on. Well, when you go to sleep, it's not on, but it's... It's always on. We don't have to use a flashlight to find our light. It's on. Couldn't be more obvious. It's our refuge. We don't have to manufacture a refuge. We are, we have awareness, luminosity. We have love, we have compassion. Thank you.